bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Corinne Ninja podcast, where each week I share vegan health transformation stories where ordinary people have done the extraordinary and reversed their chronic disease after adopting a low-fat whole food plant-based diet. We also have doctors and experts in nutrition, plant-based nutrition on the show to help give some validity to all of the stories that are shared here. We've had so many great doctors on, doctors on the show. If you haven't listened before, scroll back. There are just incredible doctors and nutritionists on this show for you to listen to. Now, last week, the day one of the 28 Days Vegan Challenge began. We have some beautiful, beautiful women in that challenge. And I absolutely love running these types of challenges with people who were wanting to make the switch to a plant-based diet because I get so meet them, talk to them on the phone, hear their story, figure out ways to support them better and work with them, you know, weekly, we do weekly videos, they get a copy of the new ebook that I've just put out last week called Thrive, which is available on my website if you're not already in a member of the 28 Days Vegan Challenge, you can get the book anyway without joining. If you're a member of my conscious eating program, you get a copy already. It should be, you look in the file section and you will find your copy there. The book is called Thrive, Your Whole Food Plant-Based Guide to Incredible Health. It is a simple how-to guide, things that I, tools and tips and tricks that I used, a bit about my story, overcoming multiple sclerosis, and there's over 30 recipes that are whole food plant-based. And I'm pretty sure mostly gluten-free for those of you who are, who are gluten-free. They're all dairy, egg, meat, free as their whole food plant-based recipes. It's just a simple guide. I have been asked to make one for so many years and it's taken me so long. If you haven't bought their ebook, it is available on my website, corinneninja.com. You can find it there. I think it's corinneninja.com forward slash new dash ebook dash thrive. So you can get that at the website or the link will be in the show notes for you to check out. And yes, I'm so excited for the challenge. It goes for a whole month and people have created some wonderful goals and things that they want to do within the challenge because this challenge is about eating a whole food plant-based diet for 28 days. But more so, more than that, it's about reconnecting with ourselves because a lot of us spend our whole lives eating the sad, standard Australian diet or the standard American diet for so many years and and have formed food addictions and patterns and habits that haven't been supporting our health overall. And a lot of that comes from seeing food as a comfort tool and rewarding ourselves and giving ourselves comfort uh, and love through foods that are unhelpful to us in the long term. So in this challenge, we set goals each week in that first call that we have together where we look at what can we add in? And if you're, obviously you don't have to be in the challenge to do this for yourself. Just just thinking like, just thinking 
what can you add in rather than taking away everything from your diet and stripping it back? You know, that's obviously overall great to cut out meat, eggs and dairy and adopt a whole food plant-based diet. But rather than thinking you have more more things to, to, you know, to endure in life, because life can feel really, really heavy for many, many, many people. You know, we have financial problems, relationship problems, career problems, problems raising our children. There's so many things that are difficult. And so we want food to be easy. And that's why we think we can just keep making those same choices over and over again for the chips, for the biscuits, for the late night chocolate, whatever it is for you. Often we just reach for those because everything else feels so hard. And so then taking away those foods that make us feel joyful, it's like, oh my God, this one, that's the last thing I had that was nice. So in this challenge, rather than just saying, oh, you know, by the way, cut out all of these foods, we talk about making sure those foods that you do, you replace them with are so delicious and you're so excited about eating them that you don't feel like you're missing out. You know, really looking at so many, there's just so many beautiful websites out there now and looking for recipes that we are willing, we want to make, that we're excited to make for those 28 days to give them a try and also to to learn more about how to maintain this in a sustainable way for the long term, which is also laid out a bit in the, in the e-book Thrive. Um, not to give it a shameless, it is, I mean, it's, just, it's a shameless plug. <laughs> it took me so long to do it and it's tiny still, it's 50 pages, but... 50 pages of my blood, sweat and tears, so around having little kids and figuring out how to get actual recipes photographed with small children around and it was just hard. So I'm willing to shamelessly plug it in this in this introduction of this episode. Yeah, so we look at goals each week to do things that are nice. Maybe it might be having a bubble bath with beautiful essential oils and a bath bomb from Lush or and reading a book in there or whether it's going on a date night with your partner and scheduling it in and making sure that it actually happens and isn't just a pipe dream or going for a bushwalk or a hike or women are going to a yoga class or going to yoga by the river in Brisbane or, you know, there's so many things that people are choosing to do in this 28 days to add joy into their life rather than just taking away certain food groups. And I think, you know, Andrew Taylor's mentioned it in his episode and I mentioned Andrew every week and I mentioned Andrew today purely because Michael Fields told me that I mentioned him in every episode. So I didn't want to miss out and not do it. So I did it today. (laughs) Hi, Michael. There you go. Michael's starting a drinking game based on a drinking, obviously a drinking water game based on how often I mention Andrew Taylor. So there he is again. Hi, Andrew. (laughs) Hi, Michael. You can have a drink of water now, Michael, because I've mentioned him already. Yeah, like making food boring, making life interesting, as Andrew says. So this is about in my, in my, this 28-day challenge and the Conscious Eating Program, we're looking at how can we make life more interesting so that food becomes fuel and life becomes life, just incredible, overflowing, joyful life. So that's what we're doing for 28 days over in my conscious eating program in the group. And I'm very excited to say thank you for everyone who's joined up. And I'm so happy to have you along for the ride with me. Let's do this together. Now, you can join the conscious eating program yourself without doing the challenge at any time. Just message me if you want to come along and we 
we'll give you your free one-on-one session where we can talk about what your goals are and how you would like to change your life moving forward or what support you would need because most of the guests on this show talk about how community is the key to their success, education and community and that's what the group's for. It's for education and a sense of community, all like-minded people in one space doing this wild whole food plant-based living together. So yeah, if you want to join, just message me anytime and you can join and then you can just start up with the next round of 28 Days Vegan when that comes out. It is $120 annually to be in the Conscious Eating Membership Program. So $10 a month to join, $10 a month to join that program. Now, enough about me and what I've been up to. This week, I spoke with Stephanie Megalis as she shared her journey overcoming multiple sclerosis. And because I have had multiple sclerosis and technically could still have if I went back to eating meat, eggs, dairy and processed heaps and heaps of processed food, it's very likely I would have it again. Stephanie and her people and, and Rebecca and Jenny and another Rebecca there's been, I think this is the sixth, fifth or sixth multiple sclerosis story that has been has been on the show. Oh, Tim Brown, I always get so excited when I hear multiple sclerosis stories because it is something that I have lived lived through myself and it always touches my heart to know that other people out there are overcoming multiple sclerosis and living and feeling amazing and thriving after such a awful diagnosis. Stephanie was always a skinny kid and so no one batted an eyelid when she consumed bags of candy and sweets, meat, eggs, dairy. No one worries about it. And I think that that is a, a thing that we, we tend to do. We, can say, we tend to think that skinny always means healthy. And skinny doesn't mean healthy. You know, skinny people die all the time from chronic illness. Just, you know, they die all the time and we, we overlook it because they're skinny and, and you, you see it all the time that skinny kids, no one's worried about. And Stephanie was one of those skinny kids. She could just eat whatever she wanted and she did and she stayed skinny and so no one cared that she had bags of candy all the time and that she was eating, you know, the standard Australian diet or American diet and, and seemed pretty okay. But we all know that those foods are doing damage whether or not we see them as in the form of obesity and being overweight. By we all know, I'm making an assumption because no, we don't all know. Many, many, many people still don't know that. But if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you're the we (laughs) that I'm referring to. And we all who listen to this podcast and podcasts like this, such as The Exam Room and the Plantrition Project and Plant Proof and Spud Fit podcast. And there's so many great, great whole food plant-based podcasts out there. We all know that who listen to those types of podcasts that you don't have to. Instagram models can still have the formations of heart disease from living on a ketogenic diet or a paleolithic diet. So anyway, no one was worried about Stephanie when she was a young child eating the way she was eating. And also in this episode, we hear about Stephanie's issues with a thyroid, enlarged thyroid, 
And many, many women I know, and my, and I've even had an issue with it myself prior when I was pregnant with Iggy and a little bit before Iggy, where I had some thyroid problems and was medicated for my thyroid issues. They have all gone away, which is wonderful. But Stephanie had this enlarged thyroid and it was an ongoing issue for her. And there's a long, been a long road to healing. So this episode's about both her thyroid journey and her multiple sclerosis journey. What else I like about this episode is that Stephanie did adopt the global phenomenon that is the paleo diet in her attempts to overcome, to heal her thyroid and to and to improve her health with some fairly interesting results. So yeah, this is Stephanie's story. Stephanie, it was so wonderful meeting you and hearing your story. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. And I hope you all enjoy listening. Thank you so much for all your support. And please share Stephanie's story with your friends and family because as someone with multiple sclerosis, I really, really, really always appreciate anyone sending me hopeful stories like Stephanie's. Even now, they always make me feel like, okay, I've got this. This is all right. I'm going to be okay. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you all for listening. And I will see you next week. Bye. Hello, Stephanie, and welcome to the show. Hi, Corinne. It's great to be here. So, Stephanie, I bet we just start at the start of your story. Okay. I grew up eating the standard American diet, as so many people on your show. Um, I was the kid who always had a bag of candy, um, family meals, definitely revolved around meat, um, lots of dairy. Uh, you know, I grew up, grew up eating a very unhealthy diet. Um, I also grew up with an extremely fast metabolism. So I was always the underweight skinny kid for me. Maintaining my weight was more the issue ever than gaining too much. Um, so I ate a lot of crap <laughs> and, you know, growing up and then that continued into adulthood too. It's interesting because there are lots lots and lots of kids who eat lots and lots of junk food and are really skinny. And I, th- I think that parents and, and people around those kids, it's such a different way of viewing their eating than if they were overweight. If they were overweight, we would have concerns but because they're skinny. We seem to turn a blind eye to those kids and the choices that they're making, even though you know, we've learned time and time again from doctors that internally those kids are still sick kids. Absolutely. Well, they're still yeah. kids who are creating, you know, creating the perfect, perfect breeding ground for disease in their bodies. Right. I, yeah, I agree 100%. So, you know, I ate a lot of junk growing up. You know, now when I think of what I fed my kids too when they were young, um, <laughs> I fed them a lot of junk too. Um before I made some changes. Um, but really my first health issue probably started with my thyroid, well, maybe 12 or 13 years ago. Um, I just happened to be looking in the mirror one day and I've got a long skinny neck. So I just noticed this big lump in the front of my throat and, you know, I'm a registered nurse. So I knew, um, you know, that's where my thyroid was. And so I went and got checked. Um, and I had a nodule, that was big enough that they were concerned for the possibility of thyroid cancer. So I had um, a fine needle aspiration and luckily it it was clear. It wasn't cancerous. Um, I went on, you know, a couple years later to do a second one because it kept growing. Um, And my hormones were a little out of whack, not 
anything horrible. Um, so that was really my first health issue. And it was more like, we're just going to watch, didn't really do anything for it. Um, but then, um, in 2010, I woke up one morning and I was, um, at the time working on the floor of a, an acute inpatient rehab unit, working 12 hour shifts. And it's a pretty physical job. Um, and I noticed that morning that my big toe was kind of felt funny on my left foot and didn't think a whole lot of it. I'd had a recent, I think, ingrown toenail on that toe, and I just assumed it was related to that. By the next morning, um, I was numb up to my waist with really, you know, bizarre sensations and numbness in my legs and my feet. So I knew something was wrong. That wasn't normal, but I could still walk. So I, and my daughter had been having some back pain and was scheduled for a test that day to make sure she didn't have a stress fracture in her back. So of course she was my priority that day. So I took her in for her testing and kind of ignored what was going on with me. Um, and she was fine, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. And so I did make an appointment with my family practice doctor late that afternoon after I was done with my daughter. Um, and they sent me straight to the emergency room. They did a lumbar MRI, didn't find anything. I did discover I also had some leg weakness there because they had me try to walk across the the um, floor on my toes and I couldn't maintain being on my tiptoes. My, my foot would collapse down. Um, so they gave me some steroids and sent me home really without any kind of diagnosis. Um, and I was supposed to follow up with a neurologist, which I did. I followed up with the neurologist um, and he ordered a thoracic MRI. Again, I kind of left with no diagnosis. In the meantime, my sensation in my legs was not good. Um, I was having really bad burning pain in my feet especially at night, you know, which I knew was nerve pain, but I really didn't know what was going on. You know, I, I suspected maybe multiple sclerosis, but, you know, the doctor wasn't saying that. And he was, you know, just sent me for the lumbar MRI or the thoracic MRI. And at the time, I didn't know there was a difference in the quality of different MRI scanners. Um, they asked me if I wanted to go to an open MRI and that sounded better to me than being closed up in a tube. So I said, absolutely. <laughs> so I went to the open MRI and, and got the thoracic MRI. And when I got the results, they said, oh, everything was fine. There was nothing there. Um, and he basically said, go back to work. Um, things should get better. And they did over uh, several weeks, but I still no diagnosis. Um, so I was off work about three weeks went back to work still having abnormal sensations um, in my legs. It, they were, the strength was pretty much back to normal though by the end of the three weeks. But I was also noticing when I had a busy day or worked a busy shift at work, I would get this squeezing sensation around my, my chest and, and abdomen, like the classic MS hug I know now. But at the time I didn't know what that was. Um, I just knew it was a really weird sensation when it happened. But over a few months, my symptoms did completely go away. So I just went on with life until two years later, I noticed when I would take a shower or a bath, I would get leg numbness again. 
that had completely gone away. So I was talking with one of the physicians that I worked with who was like, Stephanie, you need, you need a brain MRI. So he actually ordered it for me. Um, and I went and got that. And then it was just about, I think the day before new year's Eve in 2012. Um, it was a Sunday. I remember cause I was at work and he was there and he was like, you know, has anyone called you about your brain MRI? I'd had it about 10 days prior. And I said, well, no. So he took me up to his office and, and gave me the results of the MRI that showed I had multiple lesions that were consistent with a chronic demyelinating disease. So I basically knew at that point I had multiple sclerosis. So I, I found a neurologist, you know, got the official diagnosis, and I was put on a disease-modifying drug um, at that time. How did you feel that day in his office? Oh, when I got the results? Yeah. I knew, I suspected, but I guess it is, I guess I'm a little, a little bit in shock yet, even though I kind of knew. I mean, it at least gave me an answer for why I was having the symptoms I was having. And I felt like at least now I can figure out how to deal with it. And I did end up at an MS specialist who, you know, I did a lot of research. I'm a researcher. I'm a numbers girl. Um, so I did a ton of research and had concerns, but I actually felt I would feel different, very differently now, but I actually felt relieved to be put on a medication because I thought that that was the answer to keeping me healthy and keeping the disease from progressing. And I felt frustrated that I had gone two years without treatment at that. And that's how I felt at that point in, in time. And it also did make me start looking at diet. Um, and I talked with my MS doctor about diet, who basically said, Eh, you know, there's really not a lot of evidence that diet can make a difference here. You know, eat what you want. Um, you know, there's some people who think, you know, you can eat anti-inflammatory, but, you know, you have to give up all dairy and that, you know, you know, most people aren't going to do that. And, and I was honestly at that point thinking to myself, oh, yeah, I could never give up dairy. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, you know, I, but I did start to do some research um, and I guess started out with kind of like clean eating and even maybe some paleo, um, which was better than what I had been eating. Um, even though it was meat and dairy, I was cutting out a lot of the processed foods. I was increasing my fruit and vegetable intake, but I was still doing, you know, meat and dairy. But I was adding things like kale that I wasn't eating before and, and more greens. And so it really was an improvement over what I had been doing. But then a couple of years after that, you know, I just had a regular physical. They did some blood work and they told me that I was pre-diabetic. So, and I, that didn't surprise me a whole lot either because I had had gestational diabetes with my first pregnancy. So I knew I had a predisposition to that. My dad was diabetic, but again, I, I assumed at that point in time, it was all genetic and there was really nothing I could do to control it. It was just in my genes. It was my destiny it was what it was. But I did some research into that too and um, tried low carb because, you know, it's the carbs that are the problem, right? So, um, <laughs> so I tried low carb, which it did seem to help for a little while. My A1C did go down, but, you know, six months later, it was right back up. And my daughter, my older daughter was in college at the time and she came home from a break and or on a break and she had been taking some nutrition classes at William and Mary and had gotten interested in nutrition 
but she'll tell you she didn't learn any of this in her classes. She did it in her own research online. She started talking about um, that she was convinced that the best diet for humans was this whole food plant-based diet. And that's what she was going to start doing. So she's probably, what, 20 years old at the time, um, 19, 20. Um, and so then I'm like, well, how on earth am I going to feed this child? You know, what am I going to do with her while she's home? So I started going online and doing some research. And I happened across um, Dr. Neil Barnard's work talking about um, insulin resistance and normal weight people. Since I was thin, that kind of resonated with me. I had insulin resistance. Um, you know, I'm thin because, um, you know, I can't lose weight to fix this because I didn't have weight to lose. It, it talked about people with insulin resistance who are normal weight having high intramyocellular lipids and that if they go on this whole food plant-based diet, it improves that. So it was kind of the first time where I saw something that might work for me with this diabetes thing, because I was awfully close. I think I was only a tenth or two away with my A1C for actually having diabetes. And so, you know, the last thing I wanted was, okay, I've already got multiple sclerosis. I've got this thyroid issue. And now, you know, I'm on the path to diabetes, which leads to heart disease and stroke and all that other stuff. So I I wanted to figure out if there was some control I had over this destiny that seemed to be in front of me. So once I did that research, you know, I kind of decided to give it a try. And it, it wasn't overnight. I also found, you know, Dr. Michael Greger and some of his videos and information. So I started just really cutting back. Um, and I'm not going to lie, the dairy was tough because I'd always loved cheese. <laughs> um, but you know, we know why now it's basically like its own little mini cocaine going on there. Um, so I really did cut everything back. And that was probably the last time I ate meat was Thanksgiving Day. Almost three years ago, I ate a little bit of turkey. Um, and that was right around the time when I started the switch. And so it's been, you know, two and a half going on three years now. Um, and now I am 100 percent whole food plant based. But it took a little bit of time to get there. I think that for most of us, it takes a little bit of time. There's a lot, as I say so often, there's a few people like Dr. Rock, Helene Rocks, um, Dr. Jenny, Jenny Cameron and Malcolm McKay, who get some information and they just are like, okay, that's it, I'm done. But I think for most people, if, especially if we have foods that are, we've really been conditioned to consume that comfort us that feel good it's so difficult in that early days to say I'm not having that again right right and and there was I can think of I don't know how many might have been about a year ago maybe not quite a whole year ago but there was this there's this pizza place where my husband grew up called the melting pot and they have this very unique pizza that everybody loves um and every once in a while I would eat a little bit of that and the last time I had it it left me feeling disgusting kind of by that point, you know, I, I know I don't crave cheese at all anymore. I don't miss it. Um, my cooking, I love to cook. I have tried so many different types of cuisine now that I'm plant-based that the variety and the fun I have with food is far surpasses anything I did when I was eating meat and dairy. Same. And and I love that. And I, I think for for most of us, and I, 
many people, when they're talking to me about making the switch to a plant-based diet, they talk about, oh my gosh, giving up dairy or, oh my gosh, giving up whatever eggs, meat. But like you say, after a while, if you just don't think of it as a, if you don't, you don't have to think of it like it's never going to happen again. It, it just gradually becomes that way because you have it less and less frequently. And the next time you have it, you, th- you notice, oh, God, I feel disgusting when I eat that, where before you, didn't, you don't notice. And the more you notice, the more you just naturally don't – you're not drawn to those foods anymore because you know that they make you feel disgusting. Exactly. And, and yeah, I mean, even if I could go back to eating, like if somebody told, tried to tell me now, oh, you'll be just as healthy if you eat meat and dairy, I, I would be like, no, thanks. <laughs> Um, plus I, I think as has happened with a lot of people who go whole food plant-based as you learn more and continue more on this path, I think a lot of us convert to ethical vegans as well. So the thought for me of eating animals now, I, I just, you know, back when I was in middle school, so I think seventh grade, so probably what, 12, 13 years old, I remember watching a 60-minute special. So 60 Minutes is like a, a news show here that covers different topics. And they did a, a story on how veal is made and what happens to the animals that become veal. And after watching that, um, at, at that point in time, I was like, well, I'm never eating veal again. That was horrible. Um, never connecting that to what happens to all of the animals in a lot of these farms. Um, so back even when I was 12 or 13, I knew that was wrong and I didn't want to eat that. So, I, you know, I think as I've evolved and, and gone down this path, I think it's just the, the right thing for me ethically as well. Like, plus it's the healthiest thing um, for us as well. Yes. Yeah. And I, that, that, and I often when I hear people talking about health veganism compared to ethical veganism and and from and getting you know oh well that's plant-based and, and ethical veganism is about the animals but for me it, it and most guests on the show it just naturally leads that way because the more you learn about where your food comes from and what how your food impacts you the more you learn about where your food comes from <laughs> and the, and right. what, what you discover <laughs> is not very pleasant. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I only recently, just on that topic, and I don't, I'm sorry to just bring the tone down, but recently, I got the, today I think, this morning on my run, I opened my Facebook and Ranjit always says, Corinne, stop, block all the people that post the things about the animals because I, I get too emotional when I... The same way. <laughs> when I see it, which just brings the mood down in the house after I've watched it because I'm just like... Mm-hmm. But I saw that's when we're talking about eating burgers and just saying that they act, that they 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 kill the pregnant cow for the burger meat and they just take out her unborn but they, but they make her have an unborn baby and they just take it out and you kill her for the meat and then they use that baby for soft leather. Oh jeez. Oh, and that was just the most disgusting thing. <laughs> As a mother, to think about someone doing that to yeah. me and my baby, like making me carry it all those months when you're so uncomfortable. <laughs> and oh, and just having that as the end, it's just 
absolutely barbaric and horrendous. So I just think all the people that think that soft leather, like I know myself and my mum and your friends are like, I've got this bag and it's super soft leather. And now uh-huh. that I know where it comes from, I'm just like, right. <gasps> oh my goodness. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. The, the more I learn, the the harder, <laughs> the harder it would be to, to use anything like that or eat, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Back, you were talking about making the switch, and I just got—I just saw that this morning. So sorry, everyone. I had to bring the tone down, but <laughs> it's something that no one knows. I just did not know that they were doing that. I did not know that either. And it was just—I just, saw it just today, so it's just in my feed, in my mind. I mean, right. So what happened then? Like, what did you notice when you made that switch of, or in your health results? My health. Yeah, it, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, as you know, with a lot of people with MS, you know, a, a lot of us have battled or continue to battle a lot of fatigue prior to making the switch. You know, when I could grab a nap, I was grabbing a nap. Um, and I, I did start exercising more right after my diagnosis of MS. I mean, I, I did make an effort cause I hadn't been good about exercising before that. Um, like I should have been. So I, you know, I did make some changes. Um, then, but you know, I had battled fatigue. I noticed the fatigue improving. I still need my eight hours of sleep a night. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these people who can go on a little bit of sleep and, and, and do great. Um, I, I still need a lot of sleep. Um, but I noticed I didn't feel like I always wanted a nap every afternoon. I also had, um, high cholesterol before I made the switch. My LDL at, at one point was up to like, I think 130. And ideally, you want it around 70. They say less than 100, but I think down to 70 is, is even better. Um, and it went down to 71. Awesome. My, a, my hemoglobin A1C was at 6.3 or 6.4 before. And I think 6.5 is when they actually officially diagnose you with diabetes instead of prediabetes. And it is the last one I had was, I believe, 5.5 or 5.6. So that came down significantly. So I am no longer pre-diabetic and I've maintained it there now. It didn't, like when I did low carb, it popped down a little bit, but then popped back up. Now it stays down. Oh, how, and how long has it been like that for? Well, I, I made the switch a little over two years ago. It was, you know, when I started it, I, my friends at work, you know, kind of were joking with me because I'm like, you know, I'm going to start this whole food plant-based diet because I think I can fix my pre-diabetes. I think I can fix everything with this. I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to try it for three months get my, you know, three or six months and get my labs drawn. And if they're better, I'm going to keep doing it. If not, I'll just go back to doing what I was doing before. And, you know, in that three to six months when I had my labs drawn, it, everything was so much better that I had no, you know, I was like, well, I guess I'll keep doing this. <laughs> um, and plus I felt better. So I really didn't want to go back. Um, and my thyroid, the funny thing is, you know, I went to see my neurologist and like I said, I've got this thin neck. Um, and you know, my thyroid is pretty prominent. It, and it was first my neurologist who was looking at me cause she would always stare at my neck and she would apologize, but <laughs> she would just do it. And she commented, you know, that looks smaller. And then when I went to my endocrinologist for my check, it was, you know, she felt it and measured it and she's like, it shrunk. And my TSH had been low which puts you at risk for AFib when you're older, a heart arrhythmia that I'm, I don't want. My mom has that. So I didn't really want that either. My, all my hormones, are, my TSH isn't low anymore. 
Um, it's been significantly improved to the normal range now since I've switched my diet. So my thyroid hormones have normalized. I still have the nodules, but they've shrunk. My cholesterol is normal or great. I have borderline high blood pressure. That's always good now. Um, really, every, all my problems had reversed pretty much. That is awesome. So it's 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 really worked for me. Oh, I'm no longer on a disease modifying drug either. I I decided um, my white blood cell count was significantly below normal because of the medication, and I was uncomfortable with that. So I spoke with my neurologist about you know I'm I'm doing this for my lifestyle. You know I want to treat with lifestyle now. I'm exercising regularly. I'm, I'm eating a whole food plant based diet. I don't feel that I need this medication, or I at least want to try going off of it and see what happens. And um, she did give me her blessing. You know, she worked with me and um, she just wanted me to do more frequent brain MRIs at first so that there wasn't a rebound. I guess when some people come off of some of the medications, there can be some rebound MS activity. And luckily I had, I had no new activity. I've had nothing new on my brain MRI um, at all since, uh, you know, so, and then really I, I now, I don't even get them that often anymore. I, I don't need them. Um, but her big thing was as long as I kept exercising, I don't think she's still on board with the diet being as important, but I mean, it's okay. I, I'm, I'm working on her. I'm, I'm trying to get her to watch some, some videos, um, and such, uh, about diet and MS. So I'm trying to educate my physicians who don't have that education. Um, so I've, I've been doing really well. I've, I've decided I wanted to try to run a half marathon. Look at you. I've never been a runner, really. I don't really even love running much, but I know it's good for me. And um, I had some friends who were, have a running group and they invited me to run with them and were really patient with me because these are all phenomenally athletic ladies who had all run at least one full marathon and multiple half marathons during their lives. And I had never run anything more than a 10 K and that was a big deal for me. Um, so I, they let me train with them and encouraged me. And I actually ran a half marathon this past November. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was really excited. And then I did a, a second one in January, you know, and, and I'm not fast. So, but, um, you know, I finished and I was happy with that. That is so fantastic, especially after, and I know because we've had very similar MS journeys as far as the uh, numbness from the waist down. <laughs> yeah, scary stuff. It's Yeah, it's really scary. So when you can run, people, it's hard to, after having that, it's still, even though you take it for granted, I'm sure, like I take it for granted that I'm so much better. But in those three weeks when you can't feel your, or for me it was about three weeks, maybe two months to two months, mm -hmm. when you can't feel your legs properly. And, you know, I would be walking down the stairs. It was winter when I had that had that relapse that made my legs go numb. And I remember I had these Ugg boots. But they were just cheap ones that would, would, would slip around. So you had to grip on with your toes to keep them, to keep them on your foot. And when uh -huh. I had that relapse, so many days I nearly fell down the stairs because I would look down and my slipper would literally be on sideways. Like it had slipped down because I hadn't Jeez. gripped on. And it would be on, and I wouldn't know that it was on sideways until I'd be like, why, why am I tripping? And then I'd look down and be like, oh my God. 
crush like my slippers on sideways and I had no idea. But I but to go from there to running a half marathon it's hard to celebrate your own achievements, I find, because I find once I've done them, I just decide that they must be easy and everyone can do them. But it's not. Like, you've come a long way and what you've done is incredible and it's so wonderful to see that you're so healthy and thriving and that you've had such great health improvements and that you've now run not one but two half marathons in the space of really two years of really solidly committing to a whole food plant-based diet. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Pat's on the back to you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to try to do next. I love hiking. (laughs) So, um, And luckily I live in an area um, not that far from a lot of really good hikes near um, very close to the Shenandoah National Park here in Virginia. So... um, I try to get out there and hike and um, my husband and I like to do bicycling and we'll go on rides um, too. So I I try to stay active um, because I know that's important in how I feel too, not just the diet, but if I don't exercise for a couple of days, like I'm supposed to, I really feel that too. I feel it in my legs. They just don't feel right. They don't feel good. Um, So it's just important to try to, keep up with it. Absolutely. And I find when I don't, on days I don't, it's it's like a, it's a full body change of state when I'm not exercising and when I am exercising. I feel mentally clearer, more focused, more happy, more alert when I'm exercising and physically just more vibrant and energized than I do when I'm not exercising. And, and then, and that has a ripple effect on my relationships, on my work, on my on my life in so many ways when I don't make the time for exercise. Right. So how did your husband go with this adjustment? (laughs) Um, He has done well. He is not whole food plant-based. He eats whole food plant-based at home primarily because he eats what what I cook. Um, And he's been very supportive. Um, He will order meat when we go out and things like that, but he, he never complains at home. He's only been supportive. His health has also improved. Um, you know, he's lost some weight that he needed to lose, and he's he's also doing well. Um, so I know that, you know, it's impacting him as as well, even though he's not at this point fully whole food plant based. I don't know if he ever will be, but you know, his diet is certainly better than it was before I made this switch. Um, and and my daughters are both vegetarian. Um, they struggle with the dairy which is, you know, the hardest, I think, for a lot of people. And how old are your daughters? So my older daughter is 24, and my younger daughter just turned 22 a few months ago. And both vegetarian. Well, that's still pretty great. Yeah, yeah. They try to be really healthy as well, so they're, they're, doing, they're doing well. And it's good that they're also supportive of you and your health. They are. They are. Yeah, I don't, they, they have no desire to eat meat. I know that. So that's, that's been good. And actually, actually my, um, my daughter's boyfriend has been eating a whole food, well, at least a vegan diet. He started, I don't know, about a month or so ago. Oh, great. So that's going to be a, a good influence on my daughter too. That's awesome. He wanted to be more healthy. So it's, it's nice when you kind of see, you know, I, I'd like to try to find a way to help and, and that's why I, I so admire what you do, you know, to spread this message because you see 
so much illness and sickness in our societies that is so preventable. And I think so many people truly believe that they are just a victim of their genetics um, and that there's really nothing they can do. This is in their genes. Um, you know, my mom had this, my dad had this, my sister has this, I'm going to have this and not know that, that there's a lot that you can con control. Um, so I, you know, I, I want to try to help get this message out to more people so that more, you know, it's just so important to, for people to know that they have this control, that they can make a difference in their health. Absolutely. And I think that there's, there are so many people who are resolved to a lifetime of multiple chronic diseases. And that's just what they believe is their, you know, is, is their, what's the word I'm looking for? destiny destiny that's it that's what they believe is their destiny and it's such a it's such a such a heartbreaking shame for me to watch and for people like yourself to watch because we've seen the other side you know i had fibromyalgia i was obese i had multiple sclerosis you know and i was probably gonna head to diabetes as well my grandmother had di diabetes she lost both her legs to diabetes you know my other my grandfather his whole family had a all of them died of heart disease you know, my other side had cancer. You know, it was just Alzheimer's, dementia, like all these chronic illnesses in my family that are, are preventable. You know, if we talk to Team Sherzai, Dean and Aisha Sherzai that were on the show, you know, 80% right. of Alzheimer's is preventable. And right. most people right now are, are heading towards Alzheimer's and thinking that's just an awful, awful thing that happens with aging. You know, we know now that that doesn't have to be what's the trajectory for the everyday person if they change their diet and they exercise and they look after themselves. It's that was amazing news to me. I think for me, of all the shows, learning about the Alzheimer's solution was the one where I I, I love all the shows, but that one for me, that was something that I was always so scared of, forgetting my kids and forgetting my husband and forgetting, because I watched both my grandparents do that and just sitting around for years and years and years, slowly waiting to die while you've forgotten everyone that you love and that loves you. It's just, the, for me, it's just something that I just have always feared and thought, oh, both grandmas have this. This is definitely going to be my going to be my future and to hear that that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. There's an 80% chance it won't be the case if I continue eating, which I plan on doing, a whole food plant-based diet, exercising and you know meditating when I'm doing it every day at the moment. I'm sticking to it, but, <laughs> I, but, I, be but I fall that. off the wagon <laughs> regularly. But at the moment I'm on day 21 of <laughs> a challenge. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> that is something I need to It's about. always the first thing to go, but it's something that I've always known is the thing for me that stress is such a huge factor for me in my health. So, Right, right. And in, in talking about how much is prevented, you know, so I mentioned I, I was working on an acute inpatient rehab unit. So we take care of patients after they've had strokes, amputations, general debility after like cardiac disease and, and, and things like that. Currently, I, I help coordinate admissions for that unit. But so I'm, I'm on a daily basis, I'm seeing so many patients 
with, you know, the diabetes, the heart disease, the stroke, all these things that I know likely could have been prevented with lifestyle. And I, I think even a lot of the medical professionals, a lot of doc, a lot of doctors do know this, but there's a lot that don't and a lot that don't teach their patients this. Um, for example, I went to one of my last endocrinology appointments when they were checking on my thyroid and, and making, you know, checking on my prediabetes back when I had that. And I had reversed it by this point. And I told my doctor what I was doing with the whole food plant-based diet and how I had reversed, you know, I wasn't pre-diabetic anymore. So, but instead of um, kind of acknowledging what this diet can do, she told me, well, now she would just call me pre-pre-diabetic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like, okay, well, I really don't ever plan on being pre-diabetic again, but okay. <laughs> so I'm not sure she fully is on board. Yes. It doesn't sound with, like with it. What I'm doing, but nonetheless, I'll stay the course and I'll I'll try to I try to educate where I can. It's a really good thing that 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 you're doing and to do, I think. And it's great to have more professionals like you out there, healthcare professionals. Because you affect your colleagues. Like you're every time you're at the lunch table and you're eating the way you're eating, people are noticing and even though it feels like no one's noticing, people do notice. And they hear your story or they hear someone else who's heard your story. And I was talking to a woman today about the new Groundbreakers document, documentary that's coming out in September. And, and she'd commented on one of my posts on my page, this woman, and going to get her name. So if she ever listens to my podcast, I, I can mention it. And she said, and it was really, I think it's so, her name was Karen and she was really lovely. Um, hi, Karen. She was talking about how no everyone who's listening, she's concerned that everyone who's listening is already on this path, you know, and the people who really need to hear these messages aren't hearing them. Yeah, and, and that was something that I think about, that this podcast is probably mostly listened to by people who are already on this path, but then I know that there are people who listen who aren't yet whole food plant-based. So right. that's wonderful, but there still is majority, but you – you have a ripple effect. Like, you know, you touch people. You know, even you're, you're touching your husband. He's not whole food plant-based, but he's eating more. Your choices are affecting him. He'll go to work. His colleagues will say, wow, you've lost that bit of weight that you needed to lose. And he'll say, well, my wife's gone right. this and I have to eat this at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's probably <laughs> And, you know, other, other people notice you. Your daughters are going to say, my mum had MS and tell their friends and their people at uni or wherever they are that they're work and my mum's doing this now and she's great all of that reaches people in ways that we're never going to know and it's not not really our business to know but it's just wonderful that it is happening and every patient and person that you're touching is potentially you're changing their life in ways that you might not be today it might be years from now because you know when I when I first got told about a whole food plant-based diet it was a friend who told me about it to look it up and I looked it up and then I didn't do anything about it. And then something else happened. I got a letter about the swank diet and I read that and tried it for a bit. Didn't do it. It's, it's just slowly builds. And then I went to the Gawler Foundation, did a retreat and still mucked about with it because of my neurologist advice. And it, but slowly you're building this, like every person who touch everything that touches you about the whole food plant-based diet. For me, it was like an, you know, like they were setting me up and giving me the foundations to 
to commit when I was ready in my own time. Obviously, we both, you and I both wish that everyone would just commit today immediately because we would seen how good it is and we're obsessed right. with telling people how good it is. But, but right. people do have to take their own time, unfortunately. You're right. But what you were saying about people noticing, I, I mean, I have a funny story. So I eat lunch in the hospital cafeteria, um, but I typically almost always pack my own food because there's limited options for me to purchase there. As I was leaving the cafeteria one day, a, a woman approached me and was like, she came up to me and she said, hey, I notice you eat really healthy. And I said, oh, well, well yeah. And, and we introduced ourselves and she's one of the physicians at the hospital. And we got talking. And so I was I told her about, you know, well, this is how I reversed my prediabetes. And this is how, you know, this is what I eat. This is why I do this. So and it's just somebody who had been sitting there noticing day after day after day what I eat. So I found that interesting. And then I also had an experience in the grocery store where I was just going through the, you know, getting my groceries and walking. And a woman came up to me and she's like, I'm looking at your cart and I feel like I should just be following you and putting in my cart what you're putting in yours. <laughs> so people people do notice, even when you think you're not being like, I had no idea there was someone watching me in the hospital cafeteria or that that woman was watching me in the grocery store. I, I mean, it's not something I would notice or expect. So I guess you, the point being, you can be affecting people when you don't even realize it. So now your life has, you know, changed trajectory, which is incredible. And, you know, you know, you no longer have you're at symptoms of multiple sclerosis, you're no longer pre-diabetic, your cholesterol's improved, your blood pressure's improved, you're hiking, running half marathons, being amazing. <laughs> so what I wanted to ask you before we go would be, what would be your three biggest tips to anyone who's listening? Well, my first one would probably be start trying to improve your diet, even if it's baby steps, you know, even if it's just doing meatless Monday, you know, and then just go ahead and try some meals that don't have meat and dairy. Start there, just trying some different foods, trying some different cuisines to decrease it. The second thing I would say would be um, educate yourself, do research. Um, it helps when you have the research to back up what you're doing. So even if it seems hard, you know that, hey, I'm reducing my risk of all of these things. I'm also reducing my risk of multiple cancers. I'm reducing my risk for a whole host of health issues. So, so do the research and learn. And then the other thing would probably be try to find a support network or try to find people similar who are doing what you're doing. Um, I had the opportunity to go to a plant-based prevention of disease conference where I got to hear a lot of speakers from the plant-based movement. And I had never been in an, surrounded by so many people who eat like I do at all because I'm in a kind of more rural area of Virginia and there are very few people I know who eat like I do. So I don't really have a whole strong support system here. My family is very supportive and, and, and all of that, but there's not a whole lot of people doing what I do here. Um, so being, you know, getting the opportunity to be around a lot of people who are advocating for the same lifestyle that I am, it was really rejuvenating and inspiring. Um, 
So if you can have the opportunity to do something like that, oh, I would gosh, highly recommend me too. Isn't it. Isn't that the best? And don't you just think, oh my, I can eat anything here. I loved thinking, oh my gosh, I could eat anything here. Oh my gosh, I ate so much. That was, that was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We had the um, Doctors for Nutrition. Oh my goodness. Nutrition in Medicine Conference. Nutrition, nutrition in Healthcare Conference mm-hmm, mm-hmm. earlier this year. And yeah, it was three days of just being surrounded by like-minded people, eating great food. Thank you, Dr. Helene Rocks and the wonderful Lucy Stegley from Raw Events for the co-founders of Doctors for Nutrition for hosting that here in Melbourne. And they're doing lots of events in New Zealand as well and doing so much great work here in Australia because we needed some. You, we, we're over here so envious of you guys over in the States and all of your plant-based conferences <laughs> and all these wonderful events. And we're so far away. So this was just what we needed to have this a similar style of event here in Melbourne where we could all get together and listen to some wonderful speakers. And we had Dr. Neil Barnard over and it's just, it was just such a great, it was such a great weekend. Oh, that's wonderful. And at it, the one I went to, I got to meet Dr. Sarai Stancic. So I don't know if you know her story, but yes, she's like, I do. She's Only because I watched her in the documentary um, Code Blue. Is that it? You got to see. You saw Code Blue too. Yes. Isn't that awesome? It I got, is yeah, so it was, awesome. they screened it um, at this I'm, conference. I'm, I'm working on getting her on the show, but our times, our times are. Tricky. Oh yeah, because I would definitely. Yeah, she would be amazing to have on this podcast. Um, she's just, she's just so phenomenal. Um, mm, she really so, is. So that was that was exciting to get to get to meet her and see that documentary and again just be surrounded by so many people, you know, who believe in this lifestyle. Yeah, because it can feel it's very very isolating. I think for many people initially, and I think that your your tips, baby steps. Now, if you can take huge steps, great, <laughs> take huge steps. Right. If you're someone who can, awesome. But if you're someone who doesn't think you can just start with one thing you know just start with meatless monday just start with adding more making most of your plate whole plant foods and less meat egg and dairy on there you know just slowly move if gradually move things out say oh you know what i'm just not going to have ice cream anymore if that's just the step that you can take take that step Rather than if you, if you think, because sometimes the, when you look at the big mountain, you think, oh gosh, you know, cutting out everything oil free, salt free, sugar free, everything fun free. I'm not doing it. <laughs> but if you just think, all right, what's something that I can actually just know for sure I can leave out? You know what? I don't like red meat. I never have. I'm just going to cut out red meat. Just like that, just like, okay, no red meat for me. And then do that for a month and then say, you know what, I'm just going to see about switching the milk I have in my coffee or tea for a plant-based milk and switch that and just keep going and then add in awesome things. Find some new recipes, do the research. Number two, educate yourself. So do some research, watch a documentary. Forks Over Knives is my f- personal favorite. But the health's also there. There's so many good ones out there now. Um, watch Cowspiracy if you're into environmentalism because that's a great documentary with no animal cruelty, nothing disturbing to look at, just lots and lots of facts about how animal agriculture impacts on our environment, our oceans, our waterways, our air. It's such a great thing to do. When you educate yourself, it just reinforces your conviction to making a commitment to reducing meat, eggs, and dairy in your diet. 
which helps your health in the long term. So I think that's a great tip. Educate yourself. Baby steps is a great tip for so many people because most people find a big going cold turkey really, really tricky. But just make sure you keep continually making those steps and don't just go, I'm only going to do Meatless Monday because you're not going to get the results that Stephanie and I and all the guests on this show have gotten if you're just doing my Meatless Monday. <laughs> like you need right. you need Meatless Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> but it's a really great place to start nonetheless. And community support. But if you have very serious chronic health issues, I very much urge you to go as fast lead towards a f- completely whole food plant-based diet as as you possibly can but do that with support so find doctors in your area if you're in the United States the UK there have been doc in, in Australia there have been plant-based doctors on this show from all those countries there are resources on there in the show notes on this website there are so many people that you can reach out to now pl- I just got a about the Melbourne one, I just saved a link just recently from wholefoodsplantbasedhealth.com, um, the lovely Jenny Cameron's and Malcolm, Dr. Malcolm McKay's website. And it, I'm just mentioning it now so I don't forget, but it has a whole list of doctors, dietitians, and other health practitioners in Australia. So in Victoria, New South Wales, ACT, Queensland, South Australia, WA, New Zealand, who are whole food, plant-based, friendly, knowledgeable experts in the area. So that's a great list on their website. And I will attach that link in the show notes for people in Australia. And I'll also add some other ones from the UK and the US when I'm posting that in the show notes as well for those people who want some more support. Because if having a good medical team or a healthcare team on your side does make things a lot easier along with peers and other people, but it does make people it easier when you go to your doctor and they're like, yes, this is the best choice for you. This is a great choice. You know, here's how we can help you. These are the things that you need to know. And having someone in a medical profession who has those answers is just, it's just, it's a gift. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just on a ramble about that because I just thought that community thing is such a good, it's a good one. And I think the people, I just saw that about Jenny's post today and I thought I was going to share that in the thing as well. I'll share that with you as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Did you have anything else you would like to share with us before you go? Um, Well, I thought of a fourth tip. Yes, please. (laughs) Um, Tell me your fourth tip. (laughs) Fourth tip would be like, have a goal. Like, what is your goal? What do you want to be healthy for? Like one thing for me is I want to someday hike old rag mountain with my grandchildren who aren't even conceived yet. Um, and if I'm going to be able to do that hike with my grandchildren, you know, they'd have to be probably at least 10 years old to even attempt it. You know, I'm going to need to be in good shape for a really long time yet. Um, so, you know, what's your goal? What, you know, for people, what, what, what do you want to be healthy for? What do you want to do? What motivates you to want to be healthy? And I think that's another thing that when it's difficult to exercise as often as you should, difficult to stick to the proper diet, if you can kind of keep that goal in the forefront, I think that's another thing that really helps. That is a fantastic fourth tip, Stephanie. I love that fourth tip. And I think that for so many people, there is no why. And like you having that hiking with your grandkids is beautiful. And many of the guests on our show all have a strong why motivating them. And for me, it's that my brother... Brett, he passed away from a chronic disease 
and he desperately wanted to live. So I feel a duty to live for two people now. I gotta, I've gotta, I've gotta make two lives out of my life so that to make it up for him missing out. So whatever you, what that, not everyone has that situation, but whatever it is, you know, find, you know, book in for a marathon or a hike or a Oxfam trail walk or. You know, make it for a year's time so that you have a year to get really focused on your goal or whatever the priority is for you. Maybe it's a to be there for your grandchildren. It's such it's such a great thing to have something that's an underlying lighting a fire underneath you to be the best you can be. Absolutely. I love that, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and congratulations on everything that has has happened since you made the switch to a whole food plant-based diet. Oh, thank you so much. It was, it was great to be here and get to talk to you. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you, Stephanie, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you got as much out of that as I did. And please share Stephanie's story with your family and friends on social media. These stories, they're, they're so powerful, but they're only powerful when people hear them. So your support and your comments, tags, shares, they help people to hear Stephanie's story. And you never know whose life. You might change just by sharing Stephanie's story with the people that you love. So thank you again, and I will see you next week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier day